What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods, and we are back with another Best of 2020 episode. This episode, we are talking breakout players of college football. We get, we cover some group of five players, and we go through all the Power Five conferences and tell you what stars really broke out and put themselves on the map and are either improved their draft stock, improved their draft stock, or set themselves up for a huge 2021 season. We got a lot of players to cover, a lot of schools to get to, so let's go ahead and kick it off. Start at the group of five, Brandon. This could be any group of five conference. We don't have time to go through like 15 different conferences. Y'all be here for like two and a half hours. We know we don't want to waste your Thursday that much. But Brandon, who is your first player from the group of five that you would consider the breakout star of college football? Once again, not really group of five, but since we're kind of grouping all these together, I'm going to give it to an independent player. And it's one of my independent players, like one of my MVPs for that conference as well. Uh, and I know he had a really great season last year, but this year he really came out of a shell, and that's Zach Wilson. I mean, this kid was unbelievable this season. You know, he, he played in all 12 games, um, BYU played, and in those 12 games he had a 73.5% completion percentage. Um, he passed for nearly 3,700 yards, and then he got it done with his feet too, Zach. Like, he, he had 254 total rush yards on the season. That's better than Chuba Hubbard, I'm pretty sure. No, don't quote me on that. <laughs> but, it might be, uh, honestly, the way Chuba Hubbard played this year. No kidding, dude. And, and But really, I mean, more than anything, Zach Wilson is just like a playmaker. And, yeah, he was a breakout player. I understand he was good last season. I understand we talked about him before. He never, He's never had a season like he had this year. He had 33 passing touchdowns, only three interceptions. And, I mean, good Lord, this kid made it into like – uh, he made it onto a lot of people's Heisman watch list late into the season. I, I know he wasn't invited to the Zoom call, but um, he was on that watch list for a little while there. Uh, he He's improved his draft stock maybe more than any quarterback that's played this year. And I think that's really saying something in this class. I, I should have known you were going to go cop out. This is just cop out. Cop out. I mean, didn't you pick him as your MVP? As I, I led off with that, Zach. Yeah, that's tough. That's a cop out to me. That's not a cop out. Oh, Lord. You know, I went, I went the opposite way, guys. I was true to y'all. I picked two other players that I didn't talk about on the MVP episode because Brandon's. You know, I gotta set like ground rules when we pick topics. No, like, like what did you pick? Devonte Smith as your breakout for the SEC? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I didn't actually, Zach. <laughs> I resent that. <laughs> listen i'm gonna start with the defensive side of the ball because i think this guy if we only could pick one brandon i would have went with him and that's shamar jean charles from appalachia mm-hmm. state he's a db and i think he deserves the recognition over anybody in the group of five um last year he graded outside the top 70 according to pro football focus in, in coverage grades this year brandon a top five defender in coverage 
Last year, he allowed over 55% completion percentage against them. He had seven pass interference penalties, almost 500 total yards allowed, and over 40 catches. This year, man, I think he may have been the best defender in the group of five and arguably one of the top in the entire country. He was targeted over 50 times, Brandon, allowed 17 catches. That is a 32% catch rate. Right. That's stout. He allowed less than 200 yards all season and less than two touchdowns. And against arguably one of the best group of five teams in the country, Coastal Carolina, Brandon, zero catches allowed in that game. And that was one of the most explosive offenses in the group of five. So this kid balled out, and Brandon, he was number one in the entire country in pass breakups with 16. That's bananas. he had one less pass breakup than he allowed catch all year. And it booted him up to second in some belt history with 30 pass breakups in his career. He stepped his game up in a huge way. And I don't think he's getting the national recognition he deserves. And I think he's going to be a sleeper in this upcoming NFL draft, but to jump like he did from junior to senior year, man, there was no one else I would rather give it to than this guy. And in terms of offensive Brandon, I'll, We'll we'll snake this. I have another quarterback. It's not Desmond Ritter. It's not Zach Wilson. How about Grayson McCall? Coastal Carolina, redshirt freshman quarterback, his first year starting. And this kid balled out. I mean, he was he was almost the sole reason Brandon Coastal Carolina was where they were. You know, almost 70% of his passes completed. 2,400 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, only three turnovers, Brandon, and seven rushing touchdowns. Just in the Sun Belt, Brandon, second in completion percentage, led the conference in passing yards, second in yards per attempt, first in passing touchdowns, first in passer efficiency. Um, What else do you want? Sixth in rushing touchdowns against running backs, Brandon, and first in total yards. And in terms of the entire country, <laughs> he was he was eighth in yards per attempt, 10th in passing touchdowns, fifth in efficiency, and sixth in yards per play. What else could you want from a redshirt freshman making his first ever career starting season after not having an all-season this year, Brandon? Right. He didn't have an all-season to get used to the playbook or anything, and he wins the Sun Belt Player of the Year and was the biggest factor at Coastal Carolina. I think this kid's going to even break out to another level next year, Brandon, with an entire year of experience and an all-season to develop. I think he's going to be arguably the best returning group of five player in the country and arguably one of the best quarterbacks returning in the country overall. Right. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Zach. It's like, I mean, the kid's an absolute stud, and I don't think anyone – I mean, when you talk about, like, true breakout players – like, how can you not think about him? I mean, as a true freshman coming into the season, like you said, no offseason or anything to prepare. I mean, it's not like, you know, some of these guys that, yeah, they were breakout players, but maybe they were a senior. Uh, maybe they've had time to play on, like, an elite defense. Uh, and I'm thinking of players like like a Jarrell White from Cincinnati. Players who, yes, they right. had incredible seasons, but, it, you know, they, they've been there for four years and – and yeah, you know, their season this year might stand out a lot, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely incredible pick, Zach. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that was my picks for the group of five, but let's move on to the ACC, Brandon. Oh, hold on, is, hold on, hold on. Oh, I, my I, bad. Who says I don't, who says I don't have to? 
Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. In, inform us. If it's a if let me, who else did you pick for the group of five MVP? I need to know because that's probably who you picked here, right? Uh, no, it's not Zach. <laughs> I do. Have, I, I have a defensive player though, and I know that comes as a shock to people. That's almost as shocking as me not picking my second MVP. That's um, what I'm saying. I don't think I've ever heard you talk defensive. <laughs> the defensive side of the oh, ball. Oh, I'm not good at it, Zach. And you're gonna. You're about to. You're about to understand why. Um, I don't even want to say it. I'm kind of embarrassed. Okay, I'll say it. I, I need to hear. I've got. I've got. I've got Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins this year. Uh, 2020 AAC Defensive Player of the Year uh, came out in an eight-game season with 36 total touchdowns, um, uh, not touchdowns, tackles, uh, 54 for, I'm sorry, four sacks, which doubles his last season, four interceptions on the season as a linebacker. This kid's incredible. That's why I don't talk defense. That's all I have to say about him. <laughs> he, he was like, I, I didn't watch a lot of film. I, I got the stats here. <laughs> this is my breakout player of the year. Uh, I, I have nothing to tell you about him. Right. I, 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 don't, I like the pig, man. The kid is a stud. I, I saw him play just a few times this year um, in some of the national televised games. I, I have no problem with that pick. I just, I don't, I see, if you did your research, I just don't see how you didn't come across Shamar or Grayson McCall or someone like that. But I, I could be a little biased there. But you are biased. That. <laughs> let's move to the ACC, man. I'll kick us off here since, you know, I put you on the spot last one. I got two defensive players in this conference, Brandon. We are polar opposites in what side of the ball we like to talk about. And I feel like I cheated here a little bit because they're both on the same team and both play the same position. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have I have Brian Barisi and Miles Murphy, both oh, wow. fre- true freshman Clemson defensive linemen. Man, I don't think there was a more. I don't think there were two more dominant freshman D linemen than these two guys. Man, uh, let's start with Miles Murphy. He was the lower rated guy, but I think he outplayed even Brian Barisi, who struggled with some injuries this year. In only twelve games, Brandon, he he had fifty one total tackles. He led the team with twelve tackles for loss, four sacks, three forced fumbles. All of this, Brandon. No offseason, no fall camp, no summer camp, trying to gain knowledge of Brent Venable's playbook, which is one of the most complicated schemes in terms of defensive football. And he's and he didn't have any chance to earn any playing time. So he's trying to go out there and earn playing time by playing big in big time games. And he dominated. He popped off the screen for me. Brady, his first start was against Wake Forest on the road. Seven tackles, three and a half, three and a half tackles for loss, and two sacks in his first ever game as a true freshman. He was a freshman All-American, ACC co-newcomer of the year, and right now I think he's the most talented defensive lineman on the Tigers right now. And Brian Barisi struggled with injuries, but in his limited action, found ways to you know make plays. Twenty-three total tackles, six and a half for loss, four sacks, broke up two passes as a defensive tackle. Not really sure how that happened, but hey, the kid was balling, and I think these two guys, Brandon, might be the the most dominant defensive line duo in the coming years. And with Clemson returning, like I think it was what eighteen players with defensive starting experience, and whether it be one game or multiple games, they're returning everyone pretty much from their defense except transfer Mike Jones. These guys are going to be key pieces, and I think next year you're going to have to hear a lot of Brian Barisi and Miles Murphy. I agree with you, Zach, and that kind of caught me by surprise after how much you've been talking about uh, 
uh, two players on in on Pitt's defense. I thought that was definitely where you were uh, steering into with well, this one. Um, well, they they were kind of already established. I mean, didn't you kind of expect those type of seasons from those two guys? Yeah, no, I, I especially I, being seniors. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with these. I mean. I don't know. I can't disagree and, with you, Zach. And I picked one as my MVP, and I don't cheat our listeners out of information like you. So I delivered for the people with two other defensive linemen. See what Zach doesn't understand here, guys, is that we're a team, um, and you don't, you don't, you don't tackle. So if we were both, like, if I were, so if I'm the quarterback of this podcast, and Zach's like, like a strong safety, you don't tackle the quarterback. Uh, like if he, if I'm on his own team. Like you don't run out onto the field because you got too much Bama in you and tackle me because just because I play offense, like that's not. <laughs> I got, I got not, too much blue bloods in me. You got too much blue bloods in you, um, Zach. The ACC was kind of tough for me. I know it probably shouldn't be, but it was. Um, and where my mind went to immediately, just because just this beginning of the season stood out so much to me for this one player. I understand he kind of fell off toward the end, um, but he was having a breakout season. I mean, Cameron Harris for Miami in his first few games Ooh, was incredible. Look. It's not how is this a bad look? I thought you were on the right track because I had a running back I was going to pick, and I <laughs> thought you were going to go there, but you went a complete opposite way. But if you're talking beginning of the season, I'll give it to you. Go ahead, I'll give it to you if no, you're no. talking about beginning. Now, now I want to know who we're talking about. Kyron Williams for Notre yeah. Dame. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm talking about strictly the end of the season here. So, <laughs> no, we don't talk about Notre Dame on this podcast. Get out of get out of here. Um, no, I'm talking about Cameron Harris. Uh, and, and the main thing that stood out to me, Zach, is that through 11 games, he had 643 rushing yards. But honestly, about 400 of those came in like the first three games when everyone thought Miami was the real deal. Uh, everyone thought that they like had a serious chance to beat Clemson until they got smacked. Um, but in this season, Zach Cameron Harris uh, scored twice as many rushing touchdowns as he did last season. He still averaged the same t- amount of total yards. Uh, he, he, he even went like he even had more receiving yards than he did last season in fewer games. Uh, I think that he had an incredible beginning of the season, and, and it really shows when we went from last year. Just the only thing we had to say about Miami last season were not very positive things. I would say they were all negative uh, to this season, talking about this Miami offense might be the real deal. This Miami defense is the real deal. And I think Cameron Harris is a big part of that in, in the beginning, at least. And I get it. They had Derek King, and he made this offense. He, he gave this offense so many more options, but Cameron Harris pulled his own weight. I don't see, I don't mind that pick because I feel like his biggest role in terms of what he did this season was carry that offense while De'Aaron King was learning the playbook and trying to find his role. Definitely agree. And and so I think that's where, like, you kind of save yourself <laughs> to a point <laughs> is where, like, okay, yeah, he, he did it when he was needed most. So I, I, I like that pick, uh, you know, for the most part. But I still think if you're going to have – if you're going to go running back, you uh, for me, like, you have to go – you have to go um, Kyron Williams, right? Yeah, and and I understand where you're coming from there. I, I do think that Kyron Williams had an incredible season. Um, I just kind of – yes, he stood out to me, and yes, he was a big part of that Clemson win and a lot of other wins for, for Notre Dame. 
I feel like if we're going to talk about Notre Dame, though, we have to talk about that defense. It, I don't know. I feel like that defense had – and I get it. Miami's defense had a lot of breakout stars. Miami's special teams had a lot of breakout stars and, like, their kicker and punter that could just destroy me if they wanted to. But um, I, I feel like Notre Dame had a lot of breakout stars uh, this season. And that, that's kind of, I think, what deterred me from just choosing Kyron Williams. Yeah, because, I mean, Jeremiah Owusu, I mean, he was – he he right. had a lot of he had a lot of I guess somewhat hype coming into the season, but no one thought ACC, he was going to do what he did. ACC uh, defensive player of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have predicted that. And then you know you had Kyle Hamilton at safety, who I predicted could have won won that award, and he still had a big year if it went for some injuries. And then Kyron Williams rushed for over eleven hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns. Ian Book had one of his better years as well. The offensive line was the best in the country. So I mean breakout stars a galore in South Bend, but Brandon, who is your second breakout star in the ACC? So I know what I just said about Notre Dame. I have a guy on their offense that I, I think carried his own weight and no one really expected it. And, and, and the reason being um, Notre Dame had a lot of players at this one position to start the season. And a lot of players that we really thought might've played ahead of this guy. Um, but I think, you know, when you think of Notre Dame, what do you think of, Zach? What do you think of, like, historically when you think tight of Notre ends. Dame players? Tight ends, of course. So, Michael Mayer, true freshman Notre Dame, um, I, I like think that. had an incredible season for what he did. Uh, I, and I say that because Notre Dame literally had five tight ends on this roster. Most of them were upperclassmen. And Michael Mayer came away with the starting role in this offense. Uh, 42 total receptions through uh, 12 games, two touchdowns. But he wasn't like a red zone target for this team. Um, what's really impressive to me were these 450 yards that he put up and, and 11 yards per catch. I mean, he was just a staple of this offense. You know, when you think about Ian Book and what he did for this offense, yes, he did a lot with his feet. But when he did pass the ball, he was passing the ball to this guy most of the time. Uh, I mean, he, he, he really came out of nowhere. And if you would have asked me preseason – who I thought was going to be who, who if I had to give you three players who I thought were going to be an integral role in this Notre Dame offense, Michael Mayer's name. I don't even think I knew his name preseason. And that, that says a whole lot for what he's done. <clears throat> yeah. I, I really like that pick. You know, I, I feel like, like you said, the t- tight ends and probably offensive linemen are what Notre Dame is known for the most. And the kid made a big impact. He was one of the top targets for, Notre Dame and Ian Book and that wide receiving core wasn't very talented Brandon and so for him to step up and kind of give Ian Book a go-to target in the biggest moments was huge and I think Kyron Williams finally offering a rushing attack helped that and I think all these factors that we just talked about for Notre Dame is kind of what came together and gave them a shot at the playoffs because I mean before the season like yes everyone thought Notre Dame was going to be good but they weren't one of the teams I thought was going to make the playoffs. Right. And because I didn't expect Kyron Williams, I didn't expect this kid. I didn't expect that defense to be that good. So it it all came together for Brian Kelly and the fighting Irish. So let's go ahead, man. Let's move on to the big 10. There's this was kind of hard, man. They only played like six games. So who was your first breakout player in the big 10 conference this year? So, yeah, the Big Ten was tough, especially when their season got cut short. 
and especially when my uh, my first MVP season got cut even shorter than the regular season. Um, oh, and I know, Zach, I can't wait for this. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say because this is also one of my MVPs. But how is Michael Penix Jr. not literally the definition of a breakout player? Because you like, deemed him as the MVP. But was he not? I mean, how 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 did he do last year? Zach? How was you are season? you are shortchanging our listeners. They heard this episode already, Brandon. They heard That's it. Fine. It's in the catalog. It's, it's so nice. They heard All it twice. Right. I, I, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you off the hook. If you can give me a definition or like description of his season and why he's a breakout without citing anything you cited on the last episode, I'll let you. I'll let you go. No, 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 no more comments for me. You know what I didn't say on the last episode? Actually, this was super obvious. Uh, <laughs> he 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 beat Penn State in the first game of the season. He did alone with that overtime touchdown. Zach, I didn't mention that once. I did not mention that. Run the tapes back. I don't know how I didn't mention that, but I did. Um, he was short, though. Should have. He wasn't short, Zach. He was, uh, he was a little that's short. Not, that's not what the referees said, and that's not what the that's scoreboard said at the end that's of the fair game. Enough. Um, and, and he single-handedly sent Penn State into a spiral that they would never return from. They, they won their I, last four games of the year. They recovered. It just took them five, five straight losses. Here's, here's what I'll say, Zach. I think that what happened in that scenario, because I, and you let me know if it's a coincidence or not, seems like Penn State started getting kind of good right about the time that Michael Penix got hurt. I, I mean, I'm not really into conspiracy theories, but this might be one that I can hop on. <laughs> the Michael the, their... the Michael Penix curse on Penn State. <laughs> yeah, I think he's like their kryptonite. Uh, well, Penn State might have a couple other kryptonites, but we'll leave that. That's not for our podcast. Hey, leave the past um, in the past. Leave the past in the past. <laughs> the in the past. But like, like Zach said, you guys heard this episode. You guys know what he's done. 124 completions on 220 uh, passes. Um, what else, Zach? I mean, what else can I cite? 14 passing touchdowns, um, two rushing touchdowns, including the one that I just mentioned. Um, this guy really gave his team energy. Tom Allen did too, but Michael Penix Jr. was the man for for uh, for Indiana in the six games that he got to play. I'll give it to you. And the only reason I'm giving it to you is because my first player is also from Indiana. Oh, um, it's a deep. It's a it, listen, and I deemed this kid my breakout candidate in the Big Ten before the season. Just wanted Man, to that's... give myself a pound the back. Tawan Mullen, Indiana's uh, cornerback, he outperformed even my expectations, Brandon. And you know, it's so hard to list stats for a DB. Everyone knows that. I mean, he had 37 tackles, three and a half sacks, three INTs, four pass breakups. That's all good. Brandon, he allowed less than 46% completion percentage against him, which included 14 catches all year. That's wild. He made seven plays on the ball in terms of INTs or pass breakups, but only allowed two total touchdowns. That's that's stout. That's locked down. And last year, Brandon, he led the country in pass breakups with 13. Yeah. This yeah. this kid was like had a minor breakout last year. Everyone said, can he redo it? He balled out again this year. Brandon Mullen is uh, this is gonna sound crazy. He is my pick for the Big Ten defensive player of the year next year. I think wow, really? 
that's the type of potential this kid has. He has the length. He has the physicality. He has the speed. He has the instincts to be an elite DB. And I expect to see Taiwan Mullen go early, early in the draft in like uh, what a year or two. I think he's eligible next draft. So Taiwan Mullen easily my breakout player of the entire conference and for offense, Brandon, this one is this one was hard because there's a lot of guys who had a little bit of expectations coming in, but I want to go with David Bell, wide receiver Purdue, and yes, he was good last year, but arguably, man, I think you could say he was the best receiver in the conference this year, and yeah. he made a huge jump in only six games. Brandon, he caught over fifty three catches for over six hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Right. It's only six games, and in the conference, he was second in total catches, top ten, top ten in yards, led the led the conference in touchdowns. And the reason I picked him, Brandon, is this is only compounded by Rondell Moore not playing. So defenses were doubling him just consistently because they Purdue had no other threats on the outside, and no offseason. Mediocre quarterback play. Bell played on a team that was devoid of top talent. They were a mediocre team. And he still proved that he was the best wide receiver in the conference. I'm going with David Bell here as my second breakout player of the Big Ten. Right. And with my second breakout player of the season, I'm going with Graham Mertz for a game and a half. No, not really. Stop it. Um, I was about to say, I will will end this 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 podcast. This podcast is over. Um. Honestly, Zach, I don't even want to give a second. If I had to give a second, really and truly, and I understand this guy's been good in the past, I'd, I'd have to go with Trey Sermon. I know he was my other MVP. I know. I get it. I'm not going to do that. So I, I, I have one MVP for this for this episode. It's all good. I only got one for the Pac-12. But before we get there, man, let's talk Big 12 football. Breakout players here. I'll kick it off, man. Because I'm so excited to talk about this kid. I I briefly talked about him on Couch Coach Live, and I went on there a few days ago. And that's Trevon Morig, TCU DB. I've talked about him how many times on the podcast, Brandon? Every time we cover TCU? (laughs) Several. This guy took his game to a whole new level, man. He was on my list of players to break out this season for the Big 12. And, man, he did that and more. 47 total tackles, Brandon, nine pass breakups, two picks, and a touchdown. He allowed less than 50% completion. Brandon, only 200 yards allowed on the the season. Right. That's that's tough in the Big 12. And, Brandon, uh, out of all the Big 12 teams, which two do you think throw the most? Oklahoma and... Uh, Oklahoma and Texas, Texas Tech, Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah, they throw a lot. Oh, I don't even know if they have a running back. Brandon, zero catches allowed in either of those games. Wow, that's, that's tough. Great. That's a tough stat. That is that is one of my favorite stats of the season. I mean, I, I kind of look at this guy kind of like Patrick Sertan, not allowing any catches against the two most passive teams in the SEC. He steps his game up in the biggest games. Brandon, first team all Big 12. He was he won the Jim Thorpe Award this season. It just shows the level of dominance that this kid achieved all season long. And listen, I, I our NFL draft stuff's coming out very soon, guys. This kid's going to be a top three safety for me. I think he's going to be an instant starter wherever he goes. And I, th- I really, and I said this on Couch Coach, I think this kid could be the next Anton Winfield Jr. 
coming out of the coming into the draft. I think he'll start year one. I think he'll be able to play all around the defensive backfield, and I think he's going to make a, whatever team gets him very, very happy in the coming years. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Zach. Um, I'm going to go other side of the ball with my first pick, obviously. Of course. <laughs> it's offense. Brandon's talking about offense. Everyone knows that. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and give uh, my breakout player of the year to another true freshman, uh, John Robinson. I mean, hats off to this guy. Uh, true freshman running back, came in, played at Texas nine games, 86 attempts for 703 yards rushing. Um, and not only that, but he had 196 yards uh, uh, through the air. This kid was the real deal. And he came onto this Texas team that hasn't had a running back in how many years, Zach? Several? Um, yeah, it's been a minute. I mean, just when you came into this season thinking uh, Texas is going to have to lean on Sam Ellinger alone, which they kind of did. Uh, Bajon Robinson yeah. steps in and really, I mean, gives Texas a ground game. And I, I think that I think that he was a big part of Texas winning a couple of those borderline games this season. I, I like that. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. That I like that pick a lot. I, I thought about him. It's just that he. I feel like Texas underutilized him, in just in the most outrageous way. Like you had arguably one of the best running backs in the conference, and you never gave him the ball. Right. And when you did. He set records against Kansas State, who was one of the most more stout defenses in the conference. Right, agreed. It just blew my mind. But I got, I got an offensive player. I'm not going to devoid y'all of offensive talk here. And I feel like this is kind of obvious. And I can't believe no, we haven't. Neither of us have talked about this kid. And, and we were real critical of this kid for a long time. But he turned it around late in the year. And that's Spencer Rattler, man. Yeah. Yep. You got to talk about, I mean, he took a red shirt last year through 11 passes. This year, over 317 attempts, man, over 3,000 yards passing, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. A lot of those came early. He had six rushing touchdowns. Brandon, I mean, this kid was on point. I mean, let, I'm just going to tell you a stat right now. I want to tell on a scale of one to 10, how surprised are you? An Oklahoma quarterback led the Big 12 and Completion percentage, yards per attempt, and efficiency. Uh, very. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, very. You're surprised? Yes. Uh, bah, they do this every year. Lincoln Riley <laughs> does it. Lincoln Riley could take me and you, blindfold both of us, and we still lead the, we, we lead the Big 12 and passing in that offense. For some, somehow, it doesn't matter who he gets. That. It it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who he gets, man. This kid can ball out. He led the Big Twelve in passing yards. That was top ten in the NCAA. Yards per attempt led that conference again. Top ten in the NCAA. Adjusted. It doesn't matter. Top ten in the NCAA. Led the conference in passing touchdowns. Eighth in the country. This guy did everything and touchdowns responsible for. He was top five in the entire country. Brandon, I know we were critical of him, and he did have some growing pains early, especially against teams like Iowa State. But this kid performed down the stretch, got them a championship in the Big 12, dominated against Florida in in the New Year's Six Bowls. And I think Spencer Rattler was arguably one of the biggest surprises for me, and I think he lived up to that five-star hype. And I'm really, really excited to see what this kid does next year. Yeah, no, he, he had an incredible year. I mean, after we trashed him for the first – two three four maybe even five games um 
Yeah, I mean, he came he, he came out this year and uh, showed us wrong about happening this season. Um, my last one is kind of a whatever. Um, it's another it's another running back actually, and it's Brucey Hall for obvious reasons. You know, coming oh off goodness. of his freshman shut up coming off of his freshman season <laughs> oh, at, at Iowa State. So disrespectful. <laughs> where, where so he, disrespectful. He had, he had 897 yards rushing in his freshman season at Iowa State, nine touchdowns. He came out this season, rushed for 1,572 yards, 21 touchdowns, uh, two receiving touchdowns, 180 receiving yards. I mean, he doubled his his receiving touchdowns, his rushing touchdowns. He more than doubled. He almost doubled his rushing yards this season for Iowa State. You know, in a season where we thought in the Big 12, when it comes to running backs, Chuba Hubbard has to be the big deal. He might not even been the best running back on his own team this year, uh, let alone he wasn't even close to top two uh, breakout players, MVPs, whatever you want to talk about Chuba Hubbard, he wasn't there. Uh, Brucey Hall was. He showed up. He came to ball this season, and that's exactly what he did. Listen, I'll, I'll give you a break because he did break out this year because not many people expect him to do that. Except who, Brandon? I think on our website there's an article that talks about Zach, Brucey Zach Hall loves being – I do. I, I listen. I'm talking my whatever you want to say. I wish this we're not a we're not a profanity laced podcast, so I can't say it. But I like to talk when I'm right, man. Because listen, I get a lot of you know I get a lot of critiques. Wait till the draft episode, Brandon. We're having an entire episode called Zach was right about Justin Herbert, and we're posting it. It's going to be 30 minutes of me talking crap to LSU and Alabama fans. I'll be honest with you, Zach. I don't think anyone really wants to hear that episode. Uh, they probably want to hear that episode less than they wanted to hear the last episode that we had. The Senior Bowl <laughs> recap episode will go down in infamy in, Blue Blood, in the Blue Bloods Hall of Fame. <laughs> but what, what do you think the three worst episodes we've ever done are? Like, I would say one being our first ever episode where we just sat yeah. on the phone and talked for 55 minutes about eight games that no one cared about. <laughs> just that was rattled that them all. question whether or not it made me question whether or not we should continue the podcast. Facts. I'll listen back to that episode, and I was like, man, I might not get a job in the future because of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> should we really post this? Or Yeah, and then like two, I don't know, man. It could be last episode, but also that national championship recap was yeah. real bad. Zach, I was I was partying that night. Everyone knows that. You were. Brandon was an LSU fan, guys. He did not deliver a good episode. Man, you texted me the next day, and you were like, we got to re-record this. You were like, can we do like a real recap episode? And then, <laughs> then the Senior Bowl recaps a strong third place. You know, anything else in our catalog, guys? Perfect content. Those three, just go ahead. Give those to like the stepkids you don't want. Make them listen to that repeated. Like when they get grounded, they got to listen to those three episodes of the Blue Bloods. <laughs> straight torture. But, man, let's go to the Pac-12 here, man. This one had, I would say, a good bit of candidates, but I thought there was just one that stood above the rest. So I'll let you kick it off, man. Who is your first breakout player in the Pac-12 out there on the West Coast? Yeah, Zach. Uh, there, there, there were a few. Um, Obviously, a month uh, Saint Saint Brown is one of them. I'm not going to choose him because I'm gonna I'm gonna um, fix my ways here. I'm gonna not you know go go chalk like I normally do. I'm one of those guys. Um, Keaton, love Keaton. He's not a breakout player this season. He uh, was one last year. He was last year, but this year people kind of expected a lot out of him. And he, he kind of under delivered, I, I guess. Um, I honestly, if I could pick this whole Oregon State team, I would. Uh, <laughs> the entire ex- team just who, 
everybody. <laughs> Who expected that out of them? Um, oh man, this one is tough. Uh, why don't you hit us with your one, Zach? I'm 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 kind of going through some stuff right here. <laughs> going through some stuff. Listen, okay, I'm I'm gonna nail this name. I nailed it on Couch Coach, but I feel like Talona Hufanga, USC DB, has to be the one pick. And it might be an obvious choice because I think he arguably was probably the best defensive player in the conference, man. He played well last year, but this year, man, he goes on to win the Pat Tillman Defensive Player of the Year. He's the first player to win this award since Adoree Jackson way back in the day. That was our, I think, Ador- didn't Adoree win our all-decade, like, punt returner or kick returner? Yeah, yeah, kick returner. Yeah, so, you know, Brandon, this year, first in the Pac-12 in solo tackles, first in INT and INT return yards, number three in total tackles, number three in in fumbles forced, eighth in sacks as a safety. Against UCLA, Brandon, 17 total tackles, a pick, two for loss, and a forced fumble, and had four straight games this year out of six with an INT this season. That's wild. The kid is a straight baller dude i mean he led the team in tackles brandon he had 62 total tackles this year second place had 41 wow and he had four ints second place one yeah that man's bananas the the kid absolutely outplayed what i thought he could have and for me man i i really and truly think that this year this kid deserves this award he was the breakout player Uh, he declared for the draft and I think he's right up there behind Mo Riggin them as one of the top safeties in this draft and I think I think right now he's projected like late third fourth maybe fifth round you get him in any of those rounds that's an absolute steal because I think this kid could be a starter in the NFL yeah Zach I mean I think that's a great choice uh but going ahead I'm gonna go ahead and move on like I said I have some things going on right there uh I'm on the way home from work. I'll be completely honest with you guys. But uh, with my 20, with my 2020 uh, breakout player of the year from the Pac-12, I also only have one. But I think the pick's obvious. And, yeah, we've talked about him in the past few episodes, or I have at least. Love this guy. And he really showed out at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to have to go with Demetri Felton uh, from UCLA. Like and, that. you know, this guy is – you know, I, I know I said earlier Michael Penix Jr. was the definition of a breakout player. But this guy, I think, might actually be the real definition of a breakout player. Um, yeah, he's been at UCLA since he was a freshman. He's a, he was a senior this year. Like I just said, he was in the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, he played every every season up until now. This season, Zach, he he had more rushing attempts. He had double his uh, his rushing yards, almost double his entire career rushing yards this one season, uh, in only six games. You know, this season he played six games as opposed to last year's 12. He had 132 carries this season as opposed to last year's 86. And he had 668 rushing yards this season compared to last year's 331. Um, Five rushing touchdowns came along with that. But this guy, I mean, he played wide receiver in the senior bowl for snaps. Uh, This season he had 22 receptions for 159 yards. That's the one area where he did slow down from last year where they had him playing actual wide receiver. Um, so last year, his, his primary uh, position was wide receiver. He had 55 catches, 594 yards. But this guy really came out of nowhere, uh, switched, switched positions up, and was able uh, 
to really dominate this ground game. And I think he was a big part of this UCLA offense getting off the ground and moving this season. Yeah, I like that pick a lot, man. I mean, Dimitri Felton was just a beast. And like like you said, down in the Senior Bowl, man, he was the star of the show, to be completely honest with you. I was very, very impressed. You know, I felt like I was cheating the people, Brandon. So I feel like I have to give them at least one offensive player. And you'll like this one. You know, you picked Amon Ross St. Brown for your MVP. Keaton Slovis is your boy. I, you might as well get him a ring by now. I'm going with Drake London for okay. USC. Um, you know, 502 yards receiving, three touchdowns. It was only in six games, so we got to take those with a, you know, slight, like, okay, let's put this in perspective. But he was top five in receptions, receiving yards, top ten in yards per catch, top five in receiving touchdowns. And all this being – he wasn't even one of the top targets on the team last year. This kid's 6'5", 210. He's going to be a physical, go-get-it type of receiver. And I think, Brandon, if if Keaton's looking for a go-to guy next year, I think Drake London is going to be really, really high on this list. And I think you could have picked him, a lot of these wide receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London, Brew McCoy. Any of these guys could have been breakout players. So I think Keaton Slovis is putting them in positions to really succeed in that offense. Right, I agree. Uh, but, Brandon, last breakout player of the Pac-12, throw it at us. Uh, dude, I have one. Oh, <laughs> I, I hate to do this to you guys. I had one. This is tough. This is tough. But let's go ahead, move on to the SEC, man. And, Brandon, I'll let you kick this one off. Your top breakout player performance in the SEC. There were a lot of choices here, Zach, because my mind, when you think of breakout players, your mind immediately goes to, oh, well, there was Kyle Trask who just did insane things the year after Joe Burrow did even more insane things, arguably. Um, but, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of players to pick from here. Uh, we are, I would say, a um, an SEC-centered podcast. It, I, I know we talk about all of college football, but – we talk about the SEC maybe the most. Um, I'm going to have to go with Matt Jones as my breakout player of the year, Zach. I know. We saw him last year. Wow. We saw what he could do, what two was hurt, whatever. Don't give me that. You're not, you're, you can't tell me that, he, that people expected him to have the season that he had this year. I told you all last year he was going to show out and that uh, Bryce Young was going to have to sit on that bench. <laughs> I mean, I think we were both on that train. But, Zach, we didn't expect him to pass for 4,500 yards. At least I didn't. 4,500 yards this season as opposed to 1,500 last season. Yeah, he didn't start last year. He did play a lot because Tua was out. Um, This season he had 41 touchdowns to only four interceptions with a 77.4 completion percentage. And this is – I mean, that's that's insane. I I mean, I know Joe Burrow had a 78% completion percentage last year. But we thought that was something that would never even get close to touched. And then Mac Jones comes out in the season with 77.4. That's, I mean, that's insanity to me. And I know people, even myself, have been giving Devontae Smith and this other in this receiving core a lot of the credit for what Mac Jones did. But I think he surprised a lot of people, myself included, in that list. Uh, I, I like it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cr- critique you for that, but I thought there were two more obvious choices there. Listen, I'm so excited for this. This is really the only reason I picked this topic, and like I told you we should do it, is because I get to talk about my two favorite players in college football right now. 
Okay. I'll, I'll give you a guess, man. Can you, can you tell me my two favorite players in college football right now? Um, I mean, realistically, I would have to guess an Auburn player, but I don't I, – something about – Something about how you're leading up to this doesn't seem like it's an Auburn player. Oh. Mm. All right. I'll start with the one that you should have known. Malachi Moore, Alabama. DB, true freshman. Brandon, you know how much I like this kid. I mean, uh, his film, I I cannot get enough of it, man. This kid balled out this year. 44 total tackles as a true freshman. Four for loss. Three INTs, Brandon. Six pass breakups and a touchdown. He led the Crimson Tide defense, Brandon, that talented defense where they're going to have probably eight first-round picks this year. He led them in forced turnovers and started 11 games as a true freshman before he an injury kept him out of the college football playoff. Right. I mean, all-SEC freshman. He was a second-team all-SEC all selection. He was arguably the most dominant freshman DB in the country, and it showed why Saban is known for his DB development. Brandon, Targeted over 67 times this season. That's wild. Only allowed 400 yards total and one touchdown. Wow. Why do, why do a, people keep targeting him? Why do people keep doing that? They, they, they don't, they aren't watching the film, man. Cause on like, I think it was, I, it, I think it was the A&M game where he first popped off my screen, where he got that huge pick six off of Kellen Mond. Um, and from there, I always kind of paid attention to him. The kid is so fast, man. He's so instinctive, and he's a he's a playmaker. Once he gets the ball in his hands, it has a chance to go back to the house. Brandon, he allowed one touchdown all year, made 11 different plays on the ball, and only had two PIs all year yeah. as a true wow. freshman, getting thrown at 67 times. Explosive, physical, athletic, in the biggest moments. And, Brandon, I said this on Couch Coach, and it took him aback. I'm standing by this. He reminds me so much of a young Minka Fitzpatrick when Minka was a freshman starting at Bama as well. And I think that's the type of ceiling we have on Malachi Moore. And I would not be shocked, even as a sophomore, Brandon, if he won SEC Defensive Player of the Year next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right, Zach. I, this kid is very impressive. Uh, I think it was a big year for for freshman DBs in, in SEC. <laughs> a thousand that's percent. Yeah, <laughs> if y'all haven't watched this kid's film, man, y'all need to get on that, man. Find it somewhere because this kid balled out this year. And Brandon, I, you were right. It's an Auburn player, but you should have known who it was. And I, I think, know you know, I, I, the bias aside, I think once I say this kid's name, Brandon, you're going to say this is no bias here. Tank Bigsby has to be – it yeah. qual- should qualify as a breakout player. He was actually – he was he was on my short list, and he's really kind of – I I'm going with Tank Bigsby as well. And it's, I know it sounds like a cop out, but it's not. He was up there for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it, he was the co-SEC freshman of the year, Brandon, which is spectacular given that he only started like three games this year. Yeah, and then he was hurt the last three games, so didn't I? Don't think he played in the bowl game. He played limited in the Bama game, and et cetera. Eight hundred and thirty-four yards, Brandon. Six six yards per carry. Five rushing touchdowns. Had over three hundred kick return yards, including a one hundred three return that was called back against Ole Miss. So we would have had over four hundred yards in terms of kick return yards. He was fifth in the in the SEC, Brandon, in rushing yards. Fourth in attempts and rushing yards per attempt. Second in kick return yards and third in yards per return. So this kid can do it all, and. This stat's going to blow your mind, Brandon. He was the heart and soul of this Auburn offense, man. 
in games where he received 20 or more carries, he rushed for over 130 yards in every one of them, and Auburn won all three. Oh, three and not only that. This, kid, this kid's name is Tank. That's not his name, but it's his name. <laughs> I mean, that his name is Chris, award. Yeah, his, his real name is Cartavius, guys, but he goes by Tank. Um, and, Brandon, the games where he didn't get 15 carries, the games with less than 15 carries, he never hit 100 yards, and Auburn was 2-3. and three. And the two wins yeah. were against some really bad teams. I think it was Arkansas and, I think, Tennessee. Right. And Tennessee's the game he's got hurt. And he had six carries when he got hurt. So, he was on pace. But – Malzahn completely underutilized Bigsby throughout the entire season, relied way too much on Bo Picks, even though he arguably had the best freshman running back in the in the SEC. And right now, I think he's gonna benefit from new O-line development. They got Will they got Will Freen from Tennessee, who's been say what you want about Tennessee. They had some offensive linemen. That O-line up there was balling. And new head coach Brian Harson Brandon, he has never had he's had multiple running backs top 250 carries in every season that he's been a head coach. I mean, that's so that's, he gives he gives running backs guys. opportunities. And so Bigsby's gonna get some chances. And Brandon, this is this is a crazy stat. So this year Auburn landed one offensive tackle commit out of high school. Well, two actually as of today. They did not have an offensive tackle commit to Auburn out of high school since the 2017 class, Brandon. Okay, I mean that's that's wild. That that shows you that Bigsby shone with an atrocious offensive line. That offensive line for Auburn was bad. The only games that they really showed out in was Kentucky and LSU. Outside of that, that offensive line was horrible. And I would argue that both of those teams didn't have really strong defensive lines. LSU, because of the mass exodus to the draft and injuries, really hurt theirs. And Kentucky, they aren't really known for defensive line outside of one person. <laughs> so right. it's not a huge thing. But, I, Brandon, I think Bigsby should be on the list of potential SEC Offensive Player of the Year next year. And I think he definitely, with Najee Harris leaving and a lot of these – older guys going, I think he could be – I think he should be the odds-on favorite to lead the league in rushing next year. No, I, I agree with Zach. And, I mean, if you have this guy for at least another two years, then, I mean, you are a lucky, lucky team because he is going – like, yes, he broke out this season. He broke out in an injury-riddled season. Like, that's, that's, that's crazy to me um, that he was this good. And like I said, he was right there with me. He and for the shtick, I got, I've got, i got one more I'm going to quickly mention. But he, Tank Bixby's really who deserves to be the breakout player of the year in the SEC, I think. Uh, my shtick is I have to choose an LSU player, so let's let's get this over with. Uh, if I had to choose one, one, not even diamond in the rough, maybe diamond in the rough, maybe he was just not playing under the right coach or something, the right system, whatever it was. He's probably gone anyway. I've got to go with Eli Ricks. Uh, Eli Ricks was nuts this year. Uh, he was the one shining spot in this in this terrible defense for LSU, um, and the reason I think that he that he deserves to even be mentioned in this conversation is because of his four interceptions on the year, and two of those were pick sixes. So I mean that that's Ooh, crazy to that's me. Tough. Um, I mean half of his interceptions were were run back for a touchdown. He had 113 yards after interceptions, so it's not like I don't know. He 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 made things happen. Uh, when he was on the field, um, I hope he doesn't leave. I, if you're listening to the C-Lide, please don't leave. 
<laughs> Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I think so. This is someone who could have been if injuries, per, you know, didn't knock their season out. I think Miles Brennan was on track to have a real good case at Breakout Player of the Year if he didn't get hurt. Dude, he was killing it, and he. he, uh, he I don't what, like the, the leading, reports I'm hearing right now. He he was what the oh yeah I heard he might never be able to play football again, which would be yeah. that that would be heartbreaking. I mean, you see that with with uh, Justin Ross too. I mean, that everyone was saying he, they he might not be able to play. He's supposedly coming back next year. I really hope, and I really hope Miles Brennan gets a shot, man. And if and if he doesn't, that's heartbreaking. But I think, listen, if you're looking for a breakout player next year, Max Johnson, LSU, quarterback. You heard it here he first, a, guys. If if he gets a chance to start, that kid has a real good shot of being the breakout player of the year, and I, I'd be really, really excited to see him play. I mean, I, I'm not an LSU fan, but sticking on the LSU train, I think Max Johnson is going to be a monster. Yeah, biggest bust of the season, Eric Gilbert. Let's move on. <laughs> Bruh, Florida is killing the transfer portal, though. If we're going to be in all in all actuality, I mean, they got oh, what dude. Demarcus Bowman, five star running back from Clemson. Gets Eric Gilbert out of um, LSU, five-star tight end. They got the five-star transfer last year, Brenton Cox out of Georgia. I mean, what what else do you want, man? They're getting transfers from everywhere, and so is Miami. Let's talk about Miami getting um, – oh, what's his name from uh, Oklahoma, the wide receiver? I'm blanking on his name um, now. But they also talked De'Aaron King into coming back. That they, – both of the Florida teams, I heard on 247. Did you watch the 247 recruiting thing today? This is way off topic, but I, I've, now it's coming back to me. I did not. Where they're saying that, like, these Florida teams realize they can't keep all these players in state, but the advantage they have is that when these players get homesick, the only realistic options that can compete for them to transfer to are Miami and Florida, and that's why you're seeing both these schools dominate the transfer portal. And I never thought about it like that. And I'm like, that makes so much sense because, like, you see these players from Miami going to play all over the country. Well, once they get homesick, there's only one place to go, and that's Miami or Florida. They're in the north part of the state. And that makes me think, like, what is Florida State doing wrong? Um, what are they doing right? Because that's, that's, a, fair that's a fair enough assessment. That's a fair enough assessment. You're talking about Char- uh, Charleston Rambo? Yes, Charleston Rambo went to Miami, yes. That's a huge pickup because that receiving core is terrible, and Brevin Jordan is off to the draft. Yeah, huge yeah. pickup for De'Aaron King. De'Aaron King, Charleston Rambo, and um, now I'm blanking on the running back. Now it was your breakout, Cameron Jordan, or no, no, Cameron Harris. My lord, those three guys, Brandon, that three-headed monster might be one of the best three-headed monsters in the entire country on offense. Right. That's going to be Manny Diaz is doing stuff. But before we get on the Florida State train, we're going to wrap up this episode, guys. This, this is our breakout players of 2020 in college football, man. We appreciate y'all listening. Y'all are the best listeners out there. Guys, we made it happen or we're making it happen in the process. I told y'all we're doing ACC in 28 days for the month of February. We got eight of, I think it was what, the 12 or 13 teams in the ACC lined up. Interviews coming. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, interviews coming very, very soon, so stay tuned for that. This is going to be an all-season packed with so much content, way more than last year, so we appreciate y'all tuning in. Make sure to spread the word. If we're doing a team that you know someone's a fan of, make sure to tell them to check us out. Subscribe, like, rate the podcast. We can't do this without y'all. In terms of social media, man, Instagram, at the underscore Blue Bloods. Twitter, at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. 
Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod. Um, website, thebluebloodspod.com. I got a mock draft coming out soon, so make sure to tune in for that. I'm releasing three this year, one now, one after the combine, and one right before the draft, so make sure to check those out. We will post when those are released. Um, episodes coming back next week, so make sure to tune in for that. But for right now, guys, we out.